Well, you may be seated. Good to see everybody. Hey, I want to thank uh, Kirk Henry. He might be out for speaking last week. Boy, what a great message. I got to listen to that. And I told him, I said, you know, when I looked at it online, it said 39 minutes. And it seemed like it was only 20 or 22. So if you didn't get to listen to it, go back. Uh, you can go on our website, listen to the message. Good, good word. But I want to jump back into Proverbs today. And so if you'll open your Bibles um, to Proverbs chapter 1, but also open to Psalm 145, verse 4. We'll kick off with that. Psalm 145, verse 4. Now, my uh, title today is Train Them Up. Train Them Up. Now, some of the references have to do with children, but, but here's what I want to look at today. You know we all started out as kids? Do you remember those days? Do you remember the last day of school that you couldn't wait for the bell to ring and it meant summer was there? And summer was June, July, August, and you didn't go to school until after Labor Day. Nowadays, they get off just, you know, five or six weeks. But we all started out as kids. And even as parents, maybe you're not a parent, but let me tell you, we're all a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa or an aunt or an uncle or a brother a sister, a godparent, I mean, I go down the list, all of us, a mentor, a teacher, all of us have influence into the lives of children or youth or even some, some young adults. And then we're all God's kids, right? We're all God's kids. You know, when I read there, you know, God started out with two kids on earth, Adam and Eve. They didn't do too good, <laughs> But he loved them anyways. And if you read on in your Old Testament, there were some knuckleheads of kids that he had, wasn't it? But he waited, so we'll look at that uh, a little bit too. But I want to read Psalm 145, verse 4, kind of an opening verse. Psalm 145, verse 4, and it says this. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. A little bit later, we'll look in Deuteronomy. The Old Testament was always reminding the, the parents, probably the elders of that day, teach these things to your children. The book of Proverbs, uh, most of it is what Solomon gleaned from David and Bathsheba and others, the wisdom that he heard from them. But one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So I want to ask ourselves a question as we get started. Is our generation doing a good job of praising the works of God to the other generation? Are we doing a good job? Do we need to ramp it up a little bit more? Probably to praise the next generation down of what God has done. And then Psalm 127, verse 3 and 4. Now, does anybody want to guess who wrote Psalm 127? You'd think it's David, right? It's Solomon. So Psalm 127, 3 and 4 is Solomon writing, and it says this, Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's 
use. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, godparents, mentors, teachers, what else can we come up with? So whatever other name, you're a warrior. And you got a bunch of arrows in your hand. And that's this next generation there. And you're supposed to shoot the arrow, but the arrow needs to be straight. You know, you can't have a crooked arrow. Arrow's got to be straight to hit its target. You know, and I love when I read that, when it says the fruit of the womb is a reward. All of us came out of a womb, didn't we? Nobody got hatched, right? You didn't get dropped off by some alien spaceship. No, we all came out. We are part of that fruit that's out there. We're called warriors, but we got these arrows in our hand. It's not the look of the arrow. It's that it flies straight and hits the target. And we only have these kids for a season. Right? Just a season. We've got to shoot them straight because there's eternity at hand as well, too. So I wanted to start off all that. We all started out as kids. You know, my mom, my mom raised three boys. Right? Three boys. Even this morning, when I was showering and I was using Irish Spring... I remember the taste of Irish Spring O2L because in my house, if you said a bad word, you got marched into the bathroom and you stuck your tongue out and mom grabbed the bar of soap and it was always Irish Spring. She not only lathered your tongue, she made sure to get it in the grooves of your teeth and grind it in there. And you would lean under and you would walk. Now here, a bad word in my house was stupid. If you called anybody stupid, you went to the bathroom. You couldn't use jerk. You couldn't use idiot. You know, all of those. So anytime we'd say, you know, you're a jerk. Oh, go to the bathroom. Mom, you know, it's like, Mom, right off to the bathroom. Stick your tongue out. And she'd lather. Oh, you'd be washing it out. So I got smart one day. I got the dictionary out, and I found the word stupid. And I remember it was on page 502 in the dictionary we had. I started using code words. Hey, you're a 502. Mom, he called me a bad word. He did not. Yes, he did. It's in the dictionary. So he ruined me. My brother ruined it. He took her in the dictionary. You know, look, 502 is stupid. <laughs> to the bathroom you go. Oh, right off to the bathroom. I'll never forget as I got older, I did call my brother something that wasn't in the dictionary. <laughs> And it was worthy of Irish spring soap. <laughs> Except going into the bathroom, I remember looking, there was no Irish spring. And I thought, for sure my mom would have grace that day. And so she said, you wait here. She went out into the hall and she was going through the cupboard. And she said, stick your tongue out. I remember having my tongue out and I felt this liquid hitting my tongue. Oh, and it burned. And I immediately went under the water and I was gagging and bringing it out and she set the bottle right next to me. It was liquid Lysol. Well, she left. She's out in the living room. And I grabbed the bottle and I turned around. It says fatal if swallowed. And I went running out. I said, you tried to kill me. Quit calling your brother names. That was her over there. Don't quit calling them names. My mom also had a rule of when you sat at dinner, you finished your dinner. 
She even would put the timer on. Oh, you didn't want the timer on. Now, my brother, I think, uh, my middle brother, I think he could have been a magician because his sleight of hand with food was amazing. He had a way of finishing his plate without eating anything and it ending up being in a napkin in his lap. And somehow, someway, he would sneak out and he would go to the, the bathroom, but he'd stop in his room and he'd shove it in his closet. And I'll never forget, you know, as a kid growing up, when we had Kraft macaroni and cheese, that was like a highlight. Good Kraft macaroni and cheese night. I'll never forget going out and it was white. Kraft macaroni and cheese is kind of like that nuke orange, you know, that orange. And I thought, this is before white cheddar and all the things we have today. Well, my mom found some protein powder. And she decided that we probably needed a little protein with it. So she dumped all of this protein powder in with the Kraft macaroni and cheese. And walking in, it smelled like stinky fish. But she didn't care if we did, you know, we had to eat it. Oh, and I mean, it was one of those hold, you ever had to hold your nose? And I look over at Derek, and he's done. He's got a big grin on his face. He had it in a napkin. Well, he got caught one day because she was cleaning out his closet, and it smelled. And so she found all these, you know, these napkins. But, you know, uh, I think of, of her often and all of these stories. But let me tell you one of the things I know my mom had instilled. We talk about one generation shall praise. My mom instilled in us to be in church. I didn't care if it was football practice Wednesday night and you're stinky and you have homework. She'd pull up, hand you a sandwich, took me to youth group. Made us go on, wake us up on Sundays. There was something she instilled in ours and it became that thing, not a religious thing, but a reverence to God, a commitment uh, to God. You know, so when I read through these things, in fact, let me read Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, and it says this. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. So even as children or our children, there's an instruction, there's a teaching that we're required to do, and the law that we're teaching them is not our law that we make up, it's the word of God. His, his commandments. In fact, Proverbs chapter 4, 1 and 2 say this, My children, listen to your father's teaching. Pay attention so you will understand. What I'm telling you is good. So do not forget what I teach you. It's important that uh, we're teaching and we're saying things because here's the fact. Our kids are watching my son can mimic me perfectly. If I had him come up, and I won't. Uh, why? Because he watches me. He sees the good things, and he sees the bad things. But hopefully I'm instilling in him those things of God's words. Because it's eternal life that we're imparting. So it's saying to children, listen to those teachings. Listen to those teachings. All parents love this verse in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. The first commandment 
with promise. It's the fifth commandment in the Ten Commandments, but it's the first commandment with promise. And the promise is this, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And then it goes on and says, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. How many of us need to hit the knee and repent even right now? <laughs> you provoker. Do not uh, provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. You know, my mom is 78. And she might say, she could say things like, you know, Walter, I really don't like that blue shirt you're wearing today. I think you need to change it. Now, I don't have to follow and do that. But you know what I still have to do all the days of my life? Honor her. Because there's a promise attached to that. That it may be well with you. And that you may have long life on the earth. You know, I, I love that bit. It's not just... Um, our days would be long, but we would have long life. What does everybody want these days? They want to live longer. They want to be in health. But that's a promise that's attached with that as children. You know, every child's life starts out with huge possibilities. But as parents, we need to direct those arrows with their steps to follow and that they honor the Lord. That they honor the Lord. Now, We've all been, as I said before, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, godparents, teachers, mentors. And listen to this verse out of Deuteronomy and listen to one of the things that was said early on in the law. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 through 9. And these words which I command you today shall be in your, what? Heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way when you lie down and when you rise up you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates notice this is the law that's supposed to be in our heart so it's not only in our heart. They want them to write them on your hand and the doorposts around your neck. They want and have said, have the word of God everywhere that you can see, but most importantly, to have it in your heart. But even times the heart doesn't have it, have it to where you can see. I love when I see people that have three by five cards and it's stuck in their car because it has a verse on it or it's a bathroom mirror or they, they have it as a screensaver or... It has this wallpaper on their phone because what's so important that we're constantly teaching the things of the word of God because that's what they're going to remember. That's what you can deposit uh, in them. Proverbs 22.6 says this, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. When he is old, now there may be a season where they depart, but here's the promise. You've trained them up, and what are they going to do? They're going to come back to it. Because it's the Lord, it's the Word, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to be knocking on that door of their heart, calling and calling and calling to them. In fact, uh, the New Living Translation says this, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. 
Direct them on the right path. When they are older, they will not leave. And I love this translation. The Amplified says it this way. Train up a child in the way he should go and in keeping with his individual gift or bent. And when he is old, he will not depart. You know, every child is different. You could have six or ten kids, and they might all look alike. Some of them might be twins or triplets, but you know what? They're all different. They're all unique. It's not just the fingerprints that they have that are different. They have different personalities. They have different gift mixes. You know, when we go in the Bible, can you imagine dinner time with Adam and Eve? You got Cain and Abel. Cain brings a rock to dinner, right? Abel brings his pet lamb. You know, you know here, here's two different kids, two different scenarios. Doesn't end well with them. Two totally different kids that grew up. I like when I read um, in the Bible a little bit about the twins, Jacob and Esau, if you remember them, right? Twins. In fact, the Bible reads when one came out, the other one was holding on to his heel as he came out. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Holding on. Totally different. One was a hairy, wild man. The other guy's a chef. He wants to cook. Right? He's got culinary talents. Twins, right? One just wants to be out in the bush with his bow and arrow and hunt and be hairy. The other guy wants to know how to cook and wishes they had the food channel. <laughs> Two different kids, twins. But here's what we know. Everyone is unique. Everyone is, is uh, different, but everyone has gifts and abilities. Whether we realize it or not, our children are learning from us, even if we're not teaching them. When they are little, they mimic us. They copy our ways. They copy and say the things we say. They think like us, and they'll live as we have lived in the things that we've taught them. You know, I was reading a verse, and I came across this quote from Chuck Swindoll. In fact, reminded me even a couple of the songs we sang today. Chuck Swindoll said this, I know a num number of rebels that were forced into a restricted, parent-dominated, externally religious lifestyle during their early years at home. And when they got free of all of that, they split the scene and ran wild. I mean, they ran wild and they never did stop running. In fact, they didn't return to the Lord even as they grew older. I know some, in fact, who died while running from him. Let it not be that in our households. Grandmas, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, teachers, mentors, wherever you find yourself, let it be something that you're dropping God's word into their heart because it will not return void. Doesn't matter if they run off. That word, that seed of God is alive. It's active. Right? It's not dead, but it's on the inside of them. Here's what we know. Religion brings bondage. It's relationship with Jesus that brings life. That's what we've got to teach them. It's this relationship that brings life. Why do we gather? To bring life to him and to one another. James Dobson wrote this years ago. And uh, he says, it's best to start disciplining your children when they're young, approximately around 14 months of age. I think my mom started at one week. No, she didn't do that. 
Youngsters are more pliable until they're around four years old. And after that, the concrete hardens a little. And you have to work harder at breaking it up. You know, at a football game, when a guy jumps off sides, what does the referee do? He doesn't get red face and begin screaming about the virtues of keeping the rule. He drops the flag. He steps off the penalty. In the same way when your child messes up, don't break the peace of your home. You step off the penalty. And you do it consistently. Don't reason with the little one. Discipline them. You know, my mom, I remember, my mom never counted to three. You know how some parents do that? All right, you got three seconds. One. One and a half. You know, you're like, one and three. My mom didn't count. There was no counting. Right? It was you did. And she disciplined with anything she could grab. <laughs> I don't care if it was my Hot Wheels tracks, wooden spoons. You know, that's just, you know, uh, we just knew mom didn't count. And we've all been there. We've all been at the grocery store. We've been at the mall. You've been somewhere with little Johnny's in the cart, and he goes haywire and wants this and screams that and wants to do this and that. And boy, you're just thinking, should I say anything? You know, should I help anybody out? Because we've all been there when they snap. Because it's hard, right? Discipline's hard. That's why we need the Lord to show us each child differently. You know what we learned, and I don't mean to put them on the spot, but Maverick, our son, um, we learned several things about disciplining, and for a while when he was little, the only thing that worked was a little dab of Tabasco sauce on the tongue. Now that, you might think, you're cruel. You couldn't ground him, right? You couldn't take away his toys. You couldn't do that way. And I don't know what, but you know what he loves today? He loves Tabasco sauce. <laughs> he puts it on everything. If I got the Tabasco sauce out, he's got, uh, that didn't work, right? <laughs> no, don't do that, right? You get in trouble nowadays. Um, you know, I was reading a story, and in fact, we've all done this before, where our kids miss a, a spot of the grass they were supposed to cut, or they missed a side of the car to wash, or they missed the whole side of their bed to clean up clothes. You know, but though we want to teach them the importance of details, we need to learn how to praise more. Praise more. It's easier to criticize sometimes than to praise. I don't know why that is. It's harder sometimes to praise but everybody needs praise, and children especially need it more. You know, when the archer shoots the arrow straight and hits the target, do you know who wins? Both. So as parent warriors, when the arrow is shot straight and it hits the target, it's not that you win, they win as well too. And then lastly, we're all children of God. Think about that. You are God's child. And I was thinking of, of all of the things that I went through the scriptures to find out some of the things that he says. Do you know that he calls you a friend? He calls you a masterpiece. He calls you a treasure. He calls you daughter. He calls you son. He also calls you my beloved. 
And I love that one where he says, you're the apple of my eye. The eternal God knows your name and has these different names in Scripture about you because he knows everything about you. He knows your personality, how you're wired, because why? He created you. You know, Jeremiah uh, 1.5 says these words, and I, love, I always love reading that verse. Before I made you in the mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. I appointed you as a prophet of the nation. And I love that. Listen to this today personally. Before you were ever born, God knew you as a son or as a daughter, as a treasure, as a masterpiece of his. Before ever born, he knew you. Now, if I back up a little bit, and I love Jesus' words, because we all need to hear this out of Matthew 18, 3, because Jesus says this. He says, I tell you the truth. You must change and become as what? Little children. Otherwise, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I get to act like a child on purpose. No. Unless you have that heart to understand as a child, to believe. Notice how Jesus mentions that. He says, and I tell you the truth. You must change and become childlike. Drop off some of those habits. Drop off some of those thoughts. Because, as he mentions, that's how you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, John probably picks it up to remind us later. In 1 John 3, 1, he says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called, what? The children of God. That God could easily call us something else. But we've been called his children. He calls us his children. He tells us to call him what? Abba Father, which means what? Daddy. You know, uh, several years ago, in fact, it might have been my first time taking junior hires to camp. And one of the youth pastors from Azusa Foursquare Church was leading worship. His name was Gary McDonald. Gary had um, a birthmark, not the full size of the face, but a, a good portion of his face was a birthmark. And he was always asked all the time about, about the birthmark. And he would share it openly wherever he was. And he shared the story because people would say to him, now you know they have, sur they have surgeries nowadays that can take off the birthmark. Well, it was an open door to share the gospel with people. So he shared the story. He said, when, when I was in, in my mom's womb, there was also a tumor that was growing. And it was the type of tumor that had tentacles that would go into muscle and, and everything. And he, he says, but I was in the womb. And they didn't know this uh, for a while. And he said, when, after I was born, I was born with this birthmark. And the doctors were amazed as he came out because they discovered this tumor. They couldn't believe that this tumor had not attached itself to Gary. And when the doctors went back and they looked through some ultrasound, there was a gap between the tumor and the child, uh, his whole conception through birth time. And the doctors used the word. It was almost like there was a hand in there pushing you up, right, 
against, against the, the wall of the womb to protect you out of the way. Because you were pushed up against the wall, you were pushed up on your face. And because of when you developed, he developed and had that birthmark. And he said, when I heard that story, I knew I would never have it taken off. Every day when I look in the mirror and I see that birthmark, I'm reminded that the hand of God protected me. Every time somebody says to me, now you know they have a surgery for that nowadays. He says, I got to tell them what God did in my life, that he protected my life. You know, when I heard that, that is our God that looks out after us. In fact, as we, we read this, we read that verse in Psalm 145.4, one generation shall praise his works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. We're that generation that needs to praise his works to the others. Let's remind ourselves, when's the last time that we told them what God did and what God got us out of? When we were stuck. Well, let's talk about those things so they know the goodness of God because the promise is we need to declare his mighty acts to them so that they see it in their day. Bow your heads if you would today with me. John says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. You know, I want to start out as we pray here. And I, and I remember, and I say this verse so often. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There's not a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a godmother, a mentor, a teacher that has not said something or done something that we regret. And we can't take back those words. We can apologize. But here's what we do. We come before the Lord Jesus. None of us are perfect. None of us have it down. But he's given us this map in his word to remind us to tell the generation of his acts, his goodness. We don't want to point to us as how to live. We want to point them to Jesus how to live. So Lord, we come today as all of us and we humble ourselves and we need you to help us parents. We need you to help us declare your mighty acts to this next generation. We need you in every area. Give us opportunities that the Holy Spirit remind us, open doors that we can speak, that we can praise, that we can encourage, that we can get on our knees and pray, that we can bless in Jesus' name. Lord, many of us are around other people's kids and young adults. Let us be people as we see them, that we embrace them and we bless them and we encourage them that we're blessing this next generation with the acts that you have done in our life. And so, Lord, we humbly come today and we thank you that you're always teaching us, you're always encouraging us, and we're your son and daughter. And so we come to you today in blessing you as our dad. You're the one that looks out after us. You see us before we get up. You know when we're going to lie down. You know the beginning and the end of our days. We're the apple of your eye. And you care so much about us. Lord, let that be a 
image and a picture on the inside of our heart. Let it be a, something that builds confidence that our dad loves us and cares for us. And we bless and we honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Stand with me if you would. And we're going to close with this song.